for us, it's not an act. Yeah. Dave is just as crazy off stage as he is on. A lot of people think that when they put on spandex pants and uh, get some long hair and look good, that they can walk up on stage and play yeah. and be quote unquote rock stars. We don't think of that at all. We enjoy what we're doing and we're just happy that enough other people like what we're doing. Welcome to No Filler, the music podcast dedicated to sharing the often overlooked hidden gems that fill the space between the singles on our favorite records. My name is Quentin, got my brother Travis with me as always, and we're riding in the backseat of our dad's station wagon, buckled in, and uh, this time he's playing some Van Halen, dude. Yeah, and we, you know, we got our, um, we got our Tiger... Tiger Electronics handheld. Oh, nice callback, dude. Uh, maybe uh, maybe Batman Returns or something like that, right? Yeah. Or some. I th- dude, I remember we had like a weird, uh, like a baseball one too. Or like a, a Double Dragon, something like that, you know? Yeah. That's what we're doing. We grew up in the 90s is what we're trying to. Yeah, the year would be like 90, 91, 92, something like that. And and our little, our little ears are hearing what some people would call heavy metal. We're hearing, we're hearing it. Are we processing it? I don't know, but our ears are hearing the shred of Eddie's guitar solos. You know what I mean? Like I always think about that. If you're, if you're somebody who, from an early age, hears rock and roll music, I mean that's got to leave an imprint, right? Oh yeah, dude. It's it's there somewhere in in your psyche. Yeah, of all the stuff that our dad listened to. And still listens to, um, you know, the majority of it was that classic, classic rock, yeah, rock and roll, and most of it was from the from the seventies. We're talking Led Zeppelin. Last week we covered the Cars, and that was late eight late seventies, uh, and now we're just rolling straight through into the eighties, dude, with some Van Halen. Well, the funny thing about about my my recollection of him playing Van Halen, it was typically fifty one fifty, which came out in eighty six. Yes. And it was a record of his. Yeah, but I mean, he. I mean, we definitely. I definitely remember hearing "Why Can't This Be Love" all the time. Oh man, such a good song. All the time. Yeah, dude. I remember listening to Van Halen in our dad's music room more than anything else, and I and it it, it was fifty one fifty. Yeah, and we're not talking about that today. <laughs> no, we're not. we're not. We're not covering any songs from that album, are we? No, no, we're not. So here's what we decided to do. Nobody listening to this podcast needs a history lesson on who Van Halen is, right? What they contributed to the rock and roll landscape of the 80s, right? These guys were arguably the most successful, you know, rock stars of that era. You know what I mean? Like if if you think of the, the term rock star, I think of Eddie or even David Lee Roth to some extent, right? Yeah. Or, you know, just name any of those, quote unquote, like, for me at least, because I was a guitar player, was, I should say was. I don't, this thing just sits in the corner, dude, and I just, it that's, just gathers that's dust. That's a damn shame, dude. But um, the guitar gods, right? Jimmy Page. Yeah. Eddie Van Halen's one of them. Yeah. Tony Iommi of Black Sabbath, right? But I'm, what, I guess what I'm saying is like, we don't need to go into who these guys are, give you a history lesson. There's plenty of other uh, resources out there. If you're one of the few people who don't know who Van Halen is, I, I again, I don't imagine if you're listening to this that you're like, who are, who are they talking about? Van Halen. Not knowing who Van Halen is, is the same as being like McDonald's. Never heard of it. Right. Especially if you, if you have paid any attention to pop culture in the last few decades, right? Yeah, because th- that's another thing. Van Halen finds a way into commercials tv shows like even if their their name is just referenced if not their name then 
some of their their music is going to find their way to 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 movies, TVs. Exactly. So we're not going to. We decided, you know, obviously we're going to stay true to the format of this podcast and and talk about some some non singles from Van Halen's catalog. But I chose three records and chose. I mean, to me at least, these are records that I don't have much familiarity with, except for the last one. So we're going to cover a track off of Women and Children First, came out in 1980. Diver Down came out in 1982. And 1984, which came out in 1984, of course. Uh, these are all David Lee Roth yes. albums. And actually, let's name the roster off real quick, or at least the lineup as it was with the albums that we're covering. Yeah. David Lee Roth on lead vocals, Michael Anthony on bass, and then you've got brothers Alex and Eddie Van Halen. Uh, Alex plays drums. Eddie, of course, plays guitar. And that was Van Halen. Up until when when did Sammy Hagar take over? He joined in basically right after... 84, 1984. I mean, because he was, he was on 5150, which came out in 1986. Oh, yeah. So okay. within that window, that span of time, you know, Sammy joins. But yeah, um, it's just it's just interesting to me. When I, whenever I think about Van Halen, like like I said earlier, like these guys were like the, 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 the quintessential like idea and like embodiment of yes. rock star, you know, dude. And I want to, I wanted to, to bring this up too. Uh, we kind of talked about this last week with our dad and the cars, those like mega groups that were kind of just classically trained, you know, seasoned musicians that would be pulled together from record labels. Like these bands were created to make money and make albums Van Halen, like you said, they they were the real deal and like the quintessential rock and roll story. They apparently played every night, hours and hours and hours of, of, of sets, promoting their own shows, uh, like just sweating it out for four years straight before they they were discovered. And that's pretty cool, you know? So yeah, dude, that like that's that's the story, right? That's the dream. You start a start a band with your friends. And you put in the effort and all the hard work and you get discovered. And that that's what Van Halen did. Uh, I read here that uh, the, one of the first shows that they put together and so they would they would uh, rent out music halls and they would make their own flyers and just, th- you know, plaster the city with these flyers. And they'd always rent out music halls near high schools and colleges. And the first show that they that they put together in in Southern California, they drew about 800 people. And then the last show, and he says this was about eight months ago, and this was from an interview back in '78, so right after, you know, around the same time that their debut record came out. That last you know self promoted show that they they put together, they drew 3,200 people with just the flyers alone that they they put out. It's pretty insane, right? 3,200 people. This was before they 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 made it huge. Yeah, I mean those days are are over as far as like needing to make flyers, you know. Right. I right. mean, you don't you just don't, it's called Twitter, you know. Right. Um, but but no, I was speaking of that that era. Um, I'm reading here that this is kind of interesting. In 1977, according to a an LA Times article entitled "Homegrown Punk." Uh, somebody named Rodney Bingenheimer saw Van Halen at the Gazari Club in summer of 76, and he took Gene Simmons of Kiss to see Van Halen, and then Simmons then produced a Van Halen demo tape. Yeah, I read that too. With recording, beginning at the Village Recorder Studios. Uh, so yeah, he wanted them to change the name to Daddy Longlegs. <laughs> Who the fuck knows why? But Daddy Longlegs. Uh, maybe because Hagar, or not Hagar, because Roth, maybe, maybe, I don't know. Who knows? I mean, that's an awesome band name for one. Daddy Longlegs? Yeah, I love it. Uh, but but yeah, he, he it says here that Simmons then opted out of further involvement after he took the demo to Kiss Management and was told that they had no chance of making it. 
Jeez. Boy, were they wrong. Classic, dude. Classic story. Yeah. But anyway, that's just a random ass fucking little 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 story there that I read on the Wikipedia page. Very easily uh, easily obtainable information here. That is the extent of the research that we've done for this. Because Q, <laughs> as we like to say sometimes around here, we're going to pull this one out of our ass. It's it's Van Halen. You know what more do you need to know? Let's just play some tunes. Exactly. Let's get into it. We're we're not uh, we're not here to to give you a history lesson on Van Halen. Um, we're here to talk about talk about music basically. Listen to some songs that you may not be familiar with if you're not a diehard Van Halen fan and have only really tuned in to the uh, to the hits, right? And I think a lot of people, it's probably safe to say that 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 is all they're familiar with, you know? Yeah. Is the mega massive hits that are everywhere. Totally. You know? So, all right. Um, so, here's one thing I wanted to do, what I wanted to make sure I did. So, for these three records, I want to give you the name of the singles on the record, right? Nice. So, yeah, we, you know what, dude? We don't do that enough. We need to keep. We need to do more of that. We need to well, name off the singles for the you know for the artists that we've been covering over the last few months. It didn't really matter. Oh, know? that's true. That's <laughs> because true. you most likely they may not have had singles. Number one or number two. Yeah. Like, who cares? But um, with with this particular record, which is to me is kind of shocking because at least with their first one, their first record. Right, which has the, self, the self-titled seventy-eight. Yeah. yeah, that's got a ton of singles on it that came out of that. Um, but this one only has one, only has one single, and it's called "And the Cradle Will Rock," with the B-side being "Everybody Wants Some." So I'm not familiar with 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 those two tracks, honestly. Um, I probably would recognize it if I heard it, but I don't know it off the top of my head. I mean, I bet you would recognize it if you were someone paying attention to music in 1980. <laughs> if you, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, if you're if you're a Van Halen fan, you probably know. So we're gonna go to the B side here, and we're gonna listen to a song called "Loss of Control." <laughs> Song's fucking awesome, dude. I yeah, never it's heard cool, that before. Man. It's yeah. a lot of fun. So, um, the first thing that I thought of when I heard this song, and you know, I was I heard it for the first time last week when I was when I was digging through these these records to try to find cool cool tracks to bring. I thought of, and I want to play the song, dude. I can't help but think of the song "Stone Cold Crazy" by Queen. Yeah, dude. I was just thinking that. Were you? Yes. I knew you were going to say that, man. I, th- I feel like it's almost an homage to it. Almost. Yeah. Um, play it real quick. Let's play it. So 1974, Sheer Heart Attack is the name of the record by Queen. The song is called Stone Cold Crazy. All right. Let's listen to that real quick.
Yeah, man. Absolutely. It's cut from the same cloth. Yeah. I, I feel like metal bands do do that, do a version of that song. Um, and I'm not talking about covers because Metallica did actually cover that song on um, on Garage Inc. But um, there's a there's a song that I also think of that we're not going to play unless you want to. Unless you want to get crazy and just play a bunch of songs that make me think of that. But um, you saying like maybe we should go Stone Cold Crazy? Yeah, I think we should go. We should have a loss of control here and just play a bunch <laughs> of songs that I can think of. Because there's a, there's a Pantera song that I also think of, which is out of left field. But I mean, okay. why the hell not? What's it called? Uh, this one is called, if you pull up, I'm trying to think of the name of it. Uh, fucking Hostile is what it's called. Damn, dude. You don't have to be so fucking hostile. <laughs> Jesus. But man. think about it. Like, the, the template is, I'm losing control. I'm still in cold crazy. I'm fucking hostile. And they all have the same energy right out of the gate. And very simple, like, you know, get to the, the uh, you know, whatever type of, whatever level of, of insane that you are. You know, that's the course, yeah. right? So let's listen to that just for fun. We're having fun. We're pulling this out of our ass. One, two, three, four. Can't not bang my head, man. I mean, seriously though, replace "fucking hostile" with "stone cold crazy." You could almost put the Queen chorus right in there, like "stone cold crazy." Yeah, "fucking hostile." Yeah, it's so, the template, right? This is a this is a song uh, cliche almost in, in the in the heavy metal, hard rock, uh, you know, rule book or whatever playbook. So let's talk about that, dude. All right, is Van Halen metal? Yes, according okay. to. You can't argue it, I guess, because... Um, glam metal? Glam yeah, rock? I mean, here's the thing. So, you know, when you listen to their first record, there are definitely moments of metal, right? Um, yeah. That's a fucking badass name of a documentary or something, Moments of Metal. <laughs> uh, you know, you, you listen to a song like Ain't Talking About Love, that guitar riff is is very, very metal, you know? "Quote unquote metal." Yeah, running with the devil. I mean, there's the there's the the there's Satan. You know, whenever he shows up, it must be metal, right? Obviously, Van Halen, you know, had their own their own flair to it, right? Because that's the thing about metal. Metal is just as like varied and whatnot as other subgenres of of other umbrellas of rock, right? But, I mean, yeah, it's just, it's like. Uh punk and emo you know it's like yeah. you've got your pop you've got your pop punk and then you've got your right. hardcore punk so here's the thing they actually opened they being van halen they opened for black sabbath yeah that was their that was their first world tour yeah which is really really interesting because it's almost like here's the uh here's the forefathers you know and here's like the, the here's another wave of it right here but i actually have a funny clip that kind of highlights exactly what we're, we're talking about here where it's like the two the two sides of the coin i guess and um, I have a quote from an interview. I don't know when the interview happened, but it was in the 90s. 97. Okay, 97. Um, so this is a, a interview between Eddie and Alex. And um, somebody named Molly Meldrum interviewed them on The Drum. Don't know what that is. If it was a Wait, TV what was her program. Last, what's her last name? Meldrum. Meldrum. Oh, I get it. For uh, a drum. There you go. Now that's something clever. Um, <laughs> but they were just talking about a really one of the, yeah, basically, <laughs> stop laughing at me. Basically, they're talking about the song Dance the Night Away and sort of acknowledging that it's pretty cheesy, right? Especially when you're on stage after or before Sabbath, right? So you're you're playing to an audience of Sabbath fans and you're singing a song called Dance the Night Away. So here's what uh, Alex has to say about that. But you know what's funny is uh, we played a gig once with, uh, uh, what was it, uh, Black Sabbath. I think uh, Sammy was actually on that gig. We, we parachuted into... Uh, oh, and uh, in stadium. In yeah. stadium. Yeah. And, you know, in a stadium, I mean, Sabbath music, 
really works well in stadiums. Yeah, I mean, it's got the balls. And here it's we got are the playing. Fucking, and here we are playing Dance the Night Away. <laughs> when is this song ever going to end? There you go. Now let's play it faster. It'll be over with. Let's get the hell out of here. It just didn't end up. I don't know. I, 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 there's, there's one section there that's, that's kind of hooish. Yeah. You know, I, I wanted it to be, you know, sort of the Spanish yeah. twist yeah. to it, this Latin feel and this dance. You have to remember, though, you know, like, in the beginning, when you, when you start out, there are other people, there are a lot of other people involved in making a record, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's the producer or the, the record company. And we weren't as and involved we're not, as we should yeah. Now, what's funny is they said that Sammy was on that tour, so they must have toured with Sabbath years later, right? But anyway, guaranteed they played Dance the Night Away when they toured with Sabbath. Well, depending on the year that they toured with them back in the day, but, um, but anyway, I liked what Eddie said at the end there where he was like, you know, you have a bunch of different people involved with the making of a record. Well, that was in, Alex in the, talking there. Alex is on the right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. In the early years. And so they weren't as involved as they should have been. Yeah. So we, we talk about that all the time, right? But that to me, you know, kind of speaks to this, like Dance the Night Away was one of the singles. So, I mean, yeah, you got to make, if, if, if this is a metal band, you know, that's trying to have mass appeal, like you're going to have to, uh, to tame it down a little bit and make it more like palatable, you know, versus Sabbath was like singing about Satan and stuff. Right. It's singing about, well, I mean, dancing with the, running with the devil is about Satan too, but like, it just it's different i mean sabbath is is heavy metal you know yeah like what's what i love about the wikipedia page i, I like reading the genres that a band has on them on, on their wikipedia page because it lumps everything that they could you know any genre that's been placed on them i feel like shows up on the wikipedia page on sabbath's wikipedia page it's only says one genre and it says heavy metal right when you look at uh, halen it's hard rock Heavy metal, and then, like you said earlier, Q, glam metal, right? So that's what this was, right? This was glam metal. This was, you know, the '80s. That's that's to me. It's like if you're if you only have one idea of what metal is in your head, then likely you wouldn't put Van Halen in in that camp. No, but I think that's because of the theatrics and the corniness and the just the I, I don't know the the packaged nature of it you know but the songs we're playing today i think are some of the exceptions right so yeah that song was cool that was called loss of control it was on their 1980 record women and children first so we're going to skip ahead a couple more records to diver down which has a very cool very simple minimal record cover I mean, it's a it's a, a boating flag, right? Yeah, di yeah, that's exactly it's diver down. Right? Um, yeah. So, 1982, and here are the singles on Diver Down. Okay, all right. Here's what's interesting about this record. This was kind of a this is uh, this to me is so funny, dude. So five of the twelve songs on this record are cover songs. Oh man, dude, they were all about that from the very beginning. Well. They have Listen two covers here. on their on their debut. They do? Yeah. What? Uh You Really Got Me, and that's a King song. Oh, that's right. And uh Ice Cream Man. Okay. So yeah, this has been part of their playbook. But yeah, so listen, what's what's funny to me is that straight up this was a, a record label decision. So basically the record company, which at the time was Warner Brothers, the record company thought that it had a greater chance of a hit record if it was composed of songs that were already successful. Jesus, man. It just sounds like the dumbest. Dude. I, hey, I have an idea. Let's just, you know. <laughs> Here's how we guarantee a hit. We play a hit. Hey, man, you can't have a shitty record if you have nothing but yeah. <laughs> covers on there. If we add an already successful song to the record, it will guaranteed become successful again. I mean, that's just Dude, stupid. I can see them saying that to the boys in Van Halen. They're all just like, Right. You know, blinking twice with like a blank stare, like, are you fucking serious? So Eddie says it all right here. This was a, a quote, um, you know, after the fact, right? I think this was a Guitar Player Magazine interview or something like that. He says, I'd rather have a bomb with one of my own songs than a hit 
with someone else's. Ooh. Thank you, brother. I love that shit. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Um, and yeah, that says it all right there. Because like, if it's a bomb and it was one of our songs, at least at least we wrote it. You know what I mean? At least we yeah. learned something from it. Aside from like the obvious, you know? Yeah. And that goes back to 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 their days when they were, you know, busting ass and yeah. throwing flyers out across the entire city trying to trying to uh pull together a show you know yeah but that's a, but that's how how annoying is that you you know you're ready with your bandmates to make the next record and the label's like hey guys hey we're, uh, gonna, we're gonna need at least four covers on this one yeah hey cash cows can you uh can you guarantee some some money for us here we, we need this to be a hit uh our spandex budget is just through the roof we gotta we gotta sell some records and studio time doesn't grow on trees you know no um, so the five single or the five covers on this record were Oh Pretty Woman by Roy Orbison, who we talked about last week when we talked about the origins of punk with our dad. Um, we, Roy Orbison was brought up? Oh, I'm thinking yeah. of Buddy Holly. My bad. <laughs> yeah. Wow. My bad. But they covered another King's song on here, Where Have All the Good Times Gone? Dancing in the Street by Marvin Gaye. Uh, what are the other ones here? Let's see. Happy Trails. Really? Happy Trails? Really? Yeah. What? Who thought that that would be a hit? <laughs> Happy Trails in 1982. And then the other cover on here was Big Bad Bill is Sweet William Now, a song that came out in 1924. <laughs> okay. Come on. That, they're just throwing stuff at the wall. All right. You know? Maybe they actually did put stuff up on the wall and throw things in it. So you see what stuck. Obviously, that's what they did. But like with their eyes closed. Those are the only. Those are the only. Um, those are the only singles that they released. So they didn't even release one of the original Van Halen tracks as a single. I mean, that's just Fuck. that's annoying to me, dude. But we're gonna listen to one of the non-singles here. Yeah, I'm bummed out now. So let's let's play some an actual Van Halen tune. Uh, but hey, before we play that one, let's take a quick break. All right, so we're playing a non-single from Diver Down. So the name of this track is called Secrets. And I've got a little quote here from Dave. He says, The nucleus of the lyrics come from greeting cards and get well cards that I bought in Albuquerque, New Mexico on the last tour. And they were written in the style of American Indian poetry. And then he Mm. gives an example. May your moccasins leave happy tracks in the summer snows. And then Eddie says he used a Gibson double neck 12 string, the same model that Jimmy Page uses. And he played with a flat pick. The solo in secrets was a first take. I kind of laid back and it fit the song. There you go. Cool. So here we go. The song is called secrets. song a lot a little different uh, yeah it's different that's what i like about it so you know like i said when, when you think about van halen you just you think about that you think know, of the energy and the, the energy the like a super hyper kind of stuff like the upbeat yeah very um stadium rock yeah you another. think of, you, you think of the the hop for teacher and all that kind of corny yeah. stuff that they did yeah. um so like it is it, you know it's nice to hear you know, a little bit more kind of team 
you know, he's using a 12 string guitar. So that's why it kind of sounds more sort of like, you know, that, that kind of, um, I don't know, dude, it's got that more sort of like harp kind of sound to it. You know, no, it doesn't. I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what a fucking 12 string. Hold on. Uh, mandolin. Uh, no, you know, it, it's got a more like thicker, <laughs> <laughs> what's cool about it Q is that the strings of the lower four courses are tuned in octaves with those of the upper two courses tuned in unison that's why it has such a cool sound you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah like we're supposed to think you just have that rattling around in your brain the neck is wider and so because the neck is wider it accommodates those extra strings and it's similar to the width of a classical guitar see dude so you're talking sound, like I mean the sound particularly it has a fuller like, and more harmonically resonant uh, sound than a six-string instrument. Yeah, dude, but they all knew that. Why are you tell? Why are you? Why are you getting into details? Everyone knew that. Oh, that's common knowledge. Okay. What I'm trying to say is, it has a different. You know, he's got. He's using a, a, an instrument that that you're not going to hear on every Van Halen track, right? There we go. And that's what yeah, makes dude. it different. So, but it, that's it, really cool. Yeah. And that and that wasn't like you're saying. That's this is not the like testosterone fueled kind of stuff that no. you're used to when you hear a Van Halen song. No, it's not. All right, so Kyulea, let's hear let's hear the um let's hear the solo that he talked about. I think it's I think it's about to about to happen. So let's jump right back in here and and hear Eddie give us a little solo. Mr. One Take Eddie over here. Yeah, Mr. One Take. I think he 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 he, he does bust out his traditional guitar, electric guitar for, for this solo, if I remember correctly. So here we go. Just, it just came to me, you know, like not, not really a big deal or anything. Yeah, he just laid back and it just kind of came in. <laughs> Whatever, dude. But no, here's the thing. When you listen to enough of his, like if you're familiar with his technique, he does yeah. recycle a lot of the same. Ditties? Yeah, well, the same like, uh, the same tricks. He's got his he's got his bag yeah. of tricks and he goes back to it over and over again. So like with that in particular, he always does that, the pull on tap mm-hmm. the the uh the bend and tap he, he does it all the time um you know obviously he is he is famous for sort of like revolutionizing or at least br- making it making it um as popular as it became the tapping technique that he blew everybody away with he didn't invent it but he he, he did not slapped his name on it pretty much yeah he, yes um and i think everybody remembers especially if you're a guitar player you remember the first time you heard eruption and just having your mind blown, like where are these notes coming from, you know? Yeah. And when you see him do it live, yeah, it's just, you know, and, and so he's widely considered to be one of the greatest, if not the greatest, depending on the poll that you're looking at. So um, in 2012, he was voted by the readers of Guitar World magazine as the number one greatest guitar player of all time out of 100. So that is a huge deal, obviously. And in, uh, I don't know what the year is, but Guitar World uh, voted the guitar solo in Eruption as uh, number, number two number on two. the 100, 100 Greatest Guitar Solo. Yeah, and, and Stairway was number one. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, he's Eddie Van Halen. He's a guitar god, you know. He's one yeah. of those, you know, I actually, I don't know if I've ever told this story, but I, I had... Um, I would rip pages out of Guitar World magazine and put it on the wall. Um, and Eddie was one of the one of the guitar players I had on the wall, it, along with Tony Iommi of Black Sabbath, probably Jimmy Page. You know, so like I was the I, I didn't have any anybody obscure on the wall, right? Probably Kirk Hammett was on there too, but but yeah, you know, if you're a guitar player, Eddie is up there. You know, yeah, he's a living legend. Yeah. So anyway, um. Yeah, I like that song. I thought that was kind of cool. But um, yeah, so let's just chug right along here, Q. Well, I hope you're bringing some more uh, some more heavy with this last one. Uh, 
I got to be honest with you, I don't remember how this one sounds. So <laughs> cool. But we're going to jump to 1984 and we're going to talk about the record of the same name. The infamous uh, angel child smoking cigarettes on the album cover. Yes, that's right. So um, unlike the other records, the two records that we've talked about, this one had some pretty mega fucking hits, dude. Hot for Teacher is on this record. Panama is on this record. That's one of my favorite Van Halen. I love it. Yeah, Panama's great. Jump is on this record. So this is when like Van Halen was maybe perhaps at their peak, you know? I feel so this is when they start to pull on some synthesizers. Yeah, you're right. This might have been when they started to to do that. And we could be dead wrong about that. Yeah, but think about it, dude. This is right in the thick of it. 1984, yes. you know? I, I, no, I want to say just to just so we you know, so we 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 stop the haters before they So we, co- we cover our ass. Okay. I'm pretty sure on the record that came out before Diver Down, fair warning. I think that's when they started doing the synth stuff. Okay. Uh here we go. Yeah, you're right. I'm right. I read this correctly when I read the Wikipedia page a couple days ago. <laughs> it says here, the most significant musical development on the record, fair warning, is the synthesizer introduced at the end, which would be exploited to greater effect on later albums. So there you go. Okay. So they first toyed around with that in 1981 on fair warning. So yeah, that's kind of what's cool about Eddie is that, you know, he would, he would do these really cool things on a synthesizer as well. You know what I mean? As the guitar, like I want to say, you know, there are certain tracks where he's only, he's only doing a synth, you know? I mean, dude, the synth riff on jump is just so iconic. Yeah, that's right. I mean, this guy's a fucking riff machine, you know? Yeah. So yeah, let's listen to, to this track here. Um, and what I have, what, what I've decided on, um, using my very sophisticated method of just listening to the songs that weren't singles and determining which one I like the most is number track eight, which is the B side. And you know, it is relevant actually to say which side it was on. Cause this is the eighties we're talking about. Okay. So things are still very much a and B side, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this song is called girl gone bad. talk about loss of control being like a, a tribute to stone cold crazy mm-hmm. dude this was very much uh, led zeppelin i'm trying to think of what the song is off the top of my head but i mean, the, mean with the, the kind of the way that they had the long intro doom, 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 oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, uh song remains the same yeah 
Let's play a little bit of it, shall we? Yeah, I think uh, yeah, I can hear it. So uh, anytime that that we have a um a song that we think of that's similar, I always yeah. google the two song names to see what if other people What think does the that? internet think about this? And so <laughs> yeah. apparently um there's a like a Van Halen forum out there called vhlinks.com and somebody posted a thread that says uh hey, to me these two songs are like one. Eddie and the boys made a Zeptune number 2. <laughs> and other people are like, I don't hear that at all, dummy. <laughs> and then other people are like, yeah, I can hear that. So, yeah. That's funny. Um, yeah, you can definitely hear the similarities. It was the John Bonham beat that I heard yeah. straight up. Yeah, yeah. From, Ale- from Alex there. Yeah, yeah. So um, Fun stuff, dude. Love yeah, it. Yeah, So I think that that song, too, uh, showcased more of Eddie's uh, guitar prowess there. Yeah. Uh, for sure. But um, anyway, yeah. So what more is there to say about Van Halen besides a lot? There's a lot to be said about these guys. Um, one of our one of our podcast network mates, we're part of a, a music network, a podcast network called Pantheon Podcasts. His name is Martin Popoff. We've mentioned him a couple times. He's actually written a book on Van Halen. So, um, yeah, sometimes we like to point people in the direction of this guy because he's kind of a um, he's written books um, on on uh, basically he's kind of a metal, heavy metal, hard rock. Um, professor yeah you could almost call him an expert he he's been you know he's been cited on wikipedia pages i think we were talking about metallica and ride the lightning and i was just going down the wikipedia page and there's martin popoff you know there's a quote from him a scholarly metalhead yes and that's what we like to say like you you and i q we're not scholars we're not oh, dude. critics uh, although we can be very critical sometimes we're not historians we're just big fans of, of music and like to talk about music but if you want to to learn more and and you know dive into you know the history of a band and whatnot there's probably a podcast on our network that is going to dive into some more of that stuff and and this guy martin popoff he has a um, he has a podcast on the network called history in five songs i bet you he's got some episodes on van halen um not to say that you know maybe you don't need to hear any more than what we just provided but if you want to dive deeper, we would direct you to our network that we're a part of, Pantheon Podcasts. We could do another whole another episode on these guys. We could do oh, yeah. two or three more episodes. We could pick an album and actually talk about it. We can go into the Sammy Hagar years. Yes, we could. And maybe one day we will. But right now, we're not going to do that. Not today. But hey, not man, today. good picks, dude. I enjoyed all three of those. Thank you. Yes. Um. So yeah, that's that. This is our second stop in the station wagon of listening to some dad tunes these are bands that our our dad played heavily um just in the background of our youth you know and um what's our next stop q do we have our next stop picked out yet well oh man i don't know dude it's gotta be you know what let's let's change it up let's get out of the let's get out of the the classic rock okay and maybe let's do some uh shit man let's do let's do uh Gino Vanelli next. Okay. That would I like be how you're pretending like we haven't mapped this out already. <laughs> well, like, it, is that is. actually next? No, I think we were probably going to do like Boston next or something like that. Not to tease another episode. I want to do, let's do Gino Vanelli next, man. Okay. I'm fine with that. So Gino Vanelli. Oh, dude, I can't wait. I think that's going to be a left fielder for sure. Yeah. Um, but honestly, you know, kind of like I was saying earlier, where like, if if I as a child heard Van Halen in my little my little um, you know budding 
music fan, like music lover ears, I also heard a lot of Gino Vanelli. And so when he mixed those two together, it explains a lot why some of the bands that, that, that appeal to me now, you know, you can almost trace back to Gino, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And at our father's request, we were going to cover his third album from 1975 called Storm at Sunup. Yes. And I'm excited because I, all these songs are going to be new to me. I'm really familiar with Brother to Brother. That whole album's fantastic. That was a yeah. few albums later. But yeah, this is this is going to be new for us. Um, and maybe we'll maybe we'll try and get him. We'll pull him back in for this one. Well, I was going to say at the very least, I just want to ask him, even if we don't have his voice, yeah, on the pod. I just want to ask him, like, how how does one stumble upon a Gino Vanelli? How do you? How, well, he you... was a mega star, dude. But was he though? I mean, compared I to know. I don't, dude. I don't know what I'm talking about, man. This is just you don't want to talk about like two sides of. No, it's not even the same coin or the same building. You know, no. So, and this and this is coming alongside, you know, leading up to the Cars and Van Halen. I mean, this is nineteen seventy five. This album we're talking about. Yeah. You know, Brother to Brother came out in seventy eight, the same year that that Cars and Van Halen's first album come out. Yeah, but before this, you've got Zeppelin and Sabbath have already happened, and all the other heavy hard rock bands. So it's not like this is predates any of that. This is all happening at the same time, which is why the seventies are so interesting. Yeah. You know. So but, but what would you classify as music as? Jazz, definitely heavy heavy jazz fusion. <sighs> disco? Uh, no, no disco. Nah, dude. I don't know what you call them. Light rock? <laughs> Le- yeah. I Adult guess. Le- we'll get into that next yeah. week. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um all right, Q. So that's that. That's Van Halen. That's three songs you may not have heard, hopefully. Um but Again, there's nothing we don't need to tell you much about those guys. It's Van Halen. Um, so yeah, let's do our let's do our weekly segment here. This is our our what you heard segment is what we like to call it, where Q and I both bring two songs that we've heard over the last last time we we talked. And the funny thing, this is our first episode with just the two of us, Q, in what seems like forever. Yeah, but it's only been two weeks to the listeners. Um, so I'm excited here to bring this one to the table queue. So you want me to go first? Absolutely. All right. So I kind of mentioned this to you in passing yesterday, maybe the day before I fell into the vapor wave rabbit hole. Yes. And you can fall into there and which and, oh, it's about time, dude. I, yeah, I, I, I clawed my way out of that hole maybe like four years ago. So here's the thing, though. I, to me, and maybe Q, if you were in that hole, you maybe you could tell me if if I'm off on this. But I feel like this particular artist is bringing something a little bit different to the vaporwave table. Um, so he is a he's one of those artists that has a bunch of different aliases. Oh yeah, that's a, that's um, one of the things about vaporwave, dude. Chances are it's like one of two people everything okay. you hear i'm serious dude all right so maybe kind, you're familiar I'm, I'm with kind, this i'm kind of serious i don't i don't i don't know for sure okay. but well, i'm familiar with uh macintosh plus yes right 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 yeah i'm familiar with that too um this guy he goes by hong kong express that's one of his aliases okay sometimes he also goes by hke and when you oh. look at yeah you familiar with that yeah dude uh yeah yeah good stuff really atmospheric yes and that's what i liked about it um because you know to me vaporwave the vape the, the dime a dozen vaporwave song that's out there or, or artist you know they all sound kind of very similar and there's nothing to me about the music that takes itself very seriously so i i was i thought you were talking about a different artist because the album art and vibes are very similar, but I'm thinking of an artist that uh, goes by 2814, or it might be 2814. The numbers are all sp- have have spacing between them, but it's the same. It's the same guy. Same guy. Okay. Well, yeah, it's dude. it's uh, him. Uh, it's him with another guy. 2814 is a collaboration between Hong Kong Express and another um, vaporwave artist that goes by Telepath. 
Okay, well, they, they, yeah, some of that stuff is just phenomenal. Yes, and I, I listened to that record um, yesterday, actually, the 2814. So anyway, um, here is a track off of Hong Kong Express, his, um, his record that came out in 2016. It's self-titled, actually. And um, Dude, there's one from this year, man. We should give it a listen. It's also really good. I'm going to add that to our 2020 favorites list here. Cool, cool. Um, but we're going to listen to a track called watching. I could listen to stuff like that all day long, dude. Well, look, man, I'm I'm all about it, but now here comes a whole conversation, dude. What the hell makes a song a vaporwave song? Not that. There's nothing okay. about that to me that's that that that, that says vaporwave. But that's yeah. That's, again, that's why I like this guy because um, there are elements of vaporwave on the record. Okay, but he also mixes in. Almost a, that that's a down tempo song almost. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say, dude. Uh with the elements of like the jazz yeah. elements. Yes. The, yeah, the like the re- repetitive kind of looping. Yeah. But I like the I like the aesthetic of Yeah. Uh just you know, when you look at the album cover, a lot of times there's this there's this thing with Vaporwave and an obsession with I mean, his name is Hong Kong Express for Granite Lot. Japanese script. Yes, and it's kind of like a, a nod to Blade Runner. Right. Yeah. But then on the other side, dude, you've got, you know, like Macintosh and that other side of Vaporwave where the whole aesthetic is 90s. Like ne- neon color, like Windows 95, Windows 98, like clip yeah. art kind right. of stuff. Right. But uh, there's something with sort of this imagery of like a, a neon city at night, you know, yeah. Yeah. where it is in the future. It's a neo future kind of thing. Yeah, two eight one four has got that vibe. Yeah, and and, and it matches the the, it matches the mood of the music really well. Exactly, and that's what I like about it. It's a mood, and this whole record, this self titled record by Hong Kong Express, is a I don't know what the proper term is for it, but it's it transitions from song to song, so it's it there is no lull in the music. You know, you push play on track one, and and it just goes track to track. Something else that I like and, and appreciate, I love it when artists do this kind of stuff. Because he's he's speaking to his listeners, the the last track on his record that came out previous to this one, the last track is called Twenty Forty Eight. The first track on the self titled record is called Twenty Forty Nine. I like that kind of shit. I like that it's hey, this is a continuation. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just eat cool. that shit up anyway. So um, we'll, we'll see how long I. I I, I I hang out in this vaporwave hole that I fell into, but probably not very long. It's one of those things where you, you know, you you, you get it pretty quickly, and then like you move on. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. But I appreciate it, and um, and this guy in particular has a, a wide variety of sounds that he brings to the table, especially on his new record that came out. He actually put out a record in April. So anyway, that's Hong Kong Express, and and I'm gonna throw it over to you, Q. What do you got for me? I got something special, dude. This is uh, one of those bands that I totally missed, and they're not even together anymore. This is a band out of Perth, Western Australia, a band called Koi Child. Uh, and they're actually a combination of two bands, Kashi Koi and Child's Play, Koi Child. Mm. And 
man this so they only have one album released it's a self-titled it came out in 2016 guess who re- who recorded mixed and, and produced it who mr kevin parker okay of course of tame impala kind of like that discussion we had with mark you know there's a community australia <laughs> yeah the community in australia and it's just kind of blowing up right now so this is a a hip-hop band and it's a it's a full band it's it's a like it's like a jazz hip-hop band just this album just blew me away i heard it a couple of days ago uh so again they they've dis they've since disbanded so they had the one album came out in 2016 we're going to play track three off this record it's called touch em yeah you thought that was it I'll tell you who that reminds me of, Q. Antibalas. Yeah, man. Just what a solid fucking backing band, dude. Man, it's like there needs to be more hip-hop with like a, a full band behind it because it just brings this a whole other energy to it. I mean, it's almost, it's it's like, you know, with hip-hop, it's a lot of times it's heavily, you know, mostly sample-based music. Like this is just a backing band with the chops to like pull it off live you know yeah no definitely i mean that's uh i mean that's 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 the ultimate question q is when are we gonna do some hip-hop on this podcast we did one one episode we did um tribe called quest seems like forever ago yeah that was a long time and we talked about uh, you know one of these days we'll do a batch of episodes on hip-hop yeah we keep Um, saying that yeah we'll do it eventually but Dad, our father, did not listen to hip hop. I'll just say that. <laughs> no, um, not, not at all, dude. Yeah, he so never anyway. will. Never, <laughs> likely never will. <laughs> all right, so so yeah, man, that that was is a really really great album, um, and yeah, I guess my guess is all these members 
or probably probably have tons of stuff going on all the time in other bands and other projects so it's no wonder that this was a one and done kind of thing but yeah man i had this similar feeling like when i finished the last episode of freaks and geeks you know i'm like fuck i gotta have more of this yeah why isn't there more of this that's <laughs> funny that you mentioned freaks and geeks because i i have similar thoughts when i get to the end the last episode but then i also say to myself i'm glad it didn't go further than this because they wrapped it up in a perfect way yeah. they didn't leave a teaser you know they they kind of ended it perfectly they did but yeah so again that was touch em. Uh, track three off of Koa Child's one and only self-titled record from 2016. All right, so that's that, man. Uh, yeah, that was fun. That was fun. Van Halen, Van Halen, I mean, it was, it was bound to be a fun episode. It's Van Halen, you know? It's nothing but fun with Van Halen. And now, Q, and this is a weird time to bring this up, but you remember when we saw them? We saw them with Mitchell, actually. I would like to forget that, dude. That was yeah, a terrible, well, that's the thing. Terrible I mean, show. So terrible. It was. It was Van Halen in in probably like two thousand and I don't know seven seven two thousand eight yeah. maybe yeah. So it was exactly what you'd expect, I guess. For but now was that when when David Lee Roth came? Yes. So it was David Lee they Roth reunited. Okay. Yes, and it was I think Eddie's son or something like that was the bass player the bass but yeah um wolfgang his name is um (laughs) but uh yeah the reason that we joked that it was a terrible horrible concert is because david lee roth just doesn't he it's like you don't have to put on the leather pants dude you don't have to do that yeah because like we get it like hey um hey remember me you know And he's up there, like he's bouncing around on a on a blow up microphone and stuff. It's like, dude, right. you don't yeah. have to do that. We're here for the songs. But and I mean, I guess that's the thing. especially when when uh, you know Eddie and Alex are just dressed in in clothes that are appropriate. Yes, for their age. Yeah, exactly. And they're you know well, ex- just ex- they just look like they're yeah, they're just wearing whatever the fuck they want to wear. That's the thing, dude. Like we've got. The respect is there, you know. We're here yes. to see you play. You don't have to put on it. Uh, no, you don't have to do what you were doing in, in '78. But that's the thing. I mean, I'm maybe in his head or their, their their agent or their label or whatever, they probably think, well, we got to give the people what they want, and maybe the people that came and saw us in the '80s would like to see you bounce around on this microphone. So yeah, get to bouncing. <laughs> you know, it's just like, man, come on. Yeah, you know, but whatever. It, I think what I enjoyed about it was seeing, and I think this is something that Eddie's been doing for forever. Is you know he he has his moment when he just does his solo guitar stuff for yeah ten minutes or whatever, maybe longer than that. Um, but all right, Q, that's why we didn't bring that up because you know well, we did. There's no need other than just to make fun of David Lee Roth. <laughs> yeah, um, just cashing in. You know, yeah, that was bad. Anyway. If you're a diehard fan of Van Halen, you probably didn't appreciate that, but here yeah. we are. So next week, we're going to take a left turn. Still going to be in the backseat of the station wagon, but we're going to listen to a different a different style than than uh, perhaps than we've ever played on this podcast before, Q. Well, this is more in the, like, Sade vein. Uh, maybe. But yeah, I am curious to get to, to, to dive deep. As deep as we as we feel like with Mr. Gino Vanelli. So that's coming up next week. For the you know three people listening that know who that is, you're going to be excited. If <laughs> you not, might be you might be totally wrong on that, man. I mean, maybe, but anytime I bring up Gino Vanelli to people, they're like, "Who?" Well, who so, are you talking to? People our age? Yeah, I know. But I'm just saying, if I said, "Hey, Van Halen," they'd be like, "Oh yeah, I know Van Halen." Sure, of course they would. Sure, sure. So this is more obscure, but um, anyway, that's that. So you can find us on our website, nofillerpodcast.com, where you can find all of our previous episodes and a show notes page for each episode where we list out the track list. So that's every song that was played, including our What You Heard's. And we have a What You Heard Spotify playlist that I'm not sure if we've actually been keeping up with. Oh, I've been doing it. Okay, cool. Travis, don't you worry about that. <laughs> so uh, if you search No Filler in Spotify, you'll find it. Um, it's one of a few playlists that we have available. We also have our best of 2019, I think, or best of best of the last decade. I think we have that playlist on there too. 
Um, yeah, that's, you should be able to find that one, too. Yeah. It was uh, No Filler's 100 Favorites from the 2010s. From the 2010s, there you go. Yeah, but yeah if you search the word No Filler, you'll you'll find it. Along with Sum 41's great album, No Filler, or what, All Killer, No Filler. You'll probably see that at the number one. You'll just have to scroll down a little bit. I swear, <laughs> if you search it, you'll find it. Yeah, you gotta you gotta look for playlists. Yes, you know. and um, you can also find us on the network that I mentioned earlier. It's pantheonpodcasts.com, where you will find plenty of other great music themed, music centric podcasts, including the one that I name dropped earlier, "History in Five Songs" by Martin Popoff. Um, the reason he is relevant because I guarantee you he's done a lot of episodes on Van Halen. If you want more podcast content on Van Halen, you could probably find it on his channel. Anyway, that's that. My name is Travis. And my name's Quentin. And we'll talk to you all next week. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.